This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine. The busiest mixed race, bisexual, polyamorous, atheist, comic book nerd, cat mom podcaster in this podcasting game. <laughs> I love that intro. I don't know why I don't use that intro on all my shows. That is my intro from Bi Furious with Mixed Girl Maine. And it was also how I was introduced at the comedy show the other day. And I kind of want to get it printed out on a card. And just hand it to anybody as I enter a room and have myself announced that way because it's dope. <laughs> uh, but anyways, this is episode 70. I am, I've got a ton of stuff to share today. So I hope my intro doesn't go too long because the episode today is so awesome too. I know I say every week, I'm so excited about this episode and this guest. But literally that is the case. Every week I'm so excited about this episode and this guest because this is not a thing that's out in the world except for here. You know, there's only limited places in the world where mixed race experience and identity is discussed from the perspective of mixed race people. You know, there's only a handful of podcasts out there. And with the show Mixed Dish now being on TV, there's only one TV show that centers mixedness. Uh, you know, there's some organizations and, and things like that that are out there in the world too. But the world as a whole are not always considering us or centering us. So it's a big deal that this show exists, that we're on episode 70, that we're sharing all of these stories and experiences and identities from the perspective of the people that are living this. This is a big deal. Every episode is a milestone. Uh, 70 feels like a pretty big milestone too. 70 episodes, but you know what I'm saying. I'm just so grateful to be able to have this opportunity to present these stories to the world and to create this archive, to continue this archive of mixedness uh, so that as long as the internet exists, our stories are out there and other mixed folks can find us and future generations of mixed folks hopefully can find us and know that we've been out here and we've been telling our stories and there's a place for you wherever in the world you're at. I will say that this show, I noticed the last few months, it has been a bit American-centric. That is not intentional. It is just pretty much who's been contacting me. So in the beginning, there was a lot more international episodes, and that had more to do with I was actively having to seek out people for the show for interviews back then. And then it got easy after a while. People started contacting me. So I have made very little, this is going to sound terrible the way I'm about to say it, but I've made very little effort to find people for the show. People have been finding the show, which has been great. And one less thing for me to have to focus too much energy on, given how much goes into producing this show and the other three shows. But I think I need to um, start being more proactive again and try to reach out because this show is about mixedness across the entire globe, not just America and Americans. You know, we were visited by Sarah Lotus a couple of weeks ago who resides in Italy, but she is American, even though it, she does have a living in Italy 
perspective. Now, you know, I want I do want to represent mixed folks from all over the world. So if you are out there and you haven't heard your perspective yet, or if you have and you just want to share your your uh, story, holla at me, get at me. I want to share your story, too. You can email me at Charmaine at militantlymixed.com. That's S as in Sam, H-A-R-M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, E, at militantlymixed.com. And uh, let me know who you are, what you're mixed with, where you're from. And we will uh, share your story with the world, too. Let's see. Okay, a lot of announcements. First off, this weekend, I'm going to be in Seattle, Washington for Geek Girl Con. I have been invited as a podcaster to cover the con for my other show, Blurred Con Mixed. So if you are going to be in the Seattle, Washington area during next weekend, holla at me. Maybe we can meet up for a cup of tea. Yes, I said cup of tea. I know Seattle is a coffee town. I don't drink coffee. Um, or if you are going to actually be at Geek Girl Con, which is, that would be super convenient and extra amazing. That would be nice. I would like to meet some of you in person if you're out there in the world. I am actually going to get a chance to see a former guest of Militantly Mixed, Gretchen Erickson from the White Passing, Am I Even Allowed to Claim Mixed Race episode. Uh, she is actually going to be up there for Geek Girl Con. So we're going to be able to hang out. Uh, next weekend, which is dope. But if there's any of the rest of y'all out there, I don't know how many listeners I have in Seattle, if I have any in Seattle. So if you're out there, get at me on social medias and let's figure out if we can meet up for tea or something. Um, Okay, what else we got going on? Patreon. We did hit the goal for October. We got to 301 on October 31st. The goal for November is $400. So we are still sitting at 301. Uh, The ultimate goal for the whole year of 2019 is $500. So we are within $199 to go to hit the 2019 goal. And so if you would like to sponsor the show, you can go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed. Sponsor as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish. There are different reward levels depending on what you choose. You can also create your own level if you'd like. Um, If I ever make changes or adjustments to the tiers with different rewards, then I will update you and you will get that new tier, that new award um, if you're at that level already. So you don't have to worry about waiting until I make adjustments. I will always get you if um, you're already donating at that tier. This sponsorship getting us to $500 a month will be so helpful in maintaining the work that's going in there. There's a lot more stuff I want to do at Militantly Mixed that I haven't been able to do yet. You know, I I started last year with a few speaking engagements. I had an, I had a couple more this year, uh, and then it kind of stalled out. I, so I need to start pushing my reach again and try to try to get out there a little bit more often. Um, I'm inspired by a lot of the guests that I've had and people that I'm interacting with on social media to do more things and to actually cultivate a support network and a community that can actually provide services for folks like us who are dealing with identity crisis or trying to find a safe space to to exist, what have you. This is stuff that I would like to do um, and using the show as the way, the gateway towards that. In addition to just outreach and trying to get more people to know that we exist so that we can also grab more stories to present. So, and then of course, it's the, the technical aspects, the, the, the software that I use that I have a monthly fee on the time and space, you know, I'm trying to build a recording studio space that will um, be mobile so that I can go wherever I need to go when I need to go. And all of the contributions from Patreon goes into that. And to some degree, uh, I did mention, I think last week I have found a, a day job. It is a temp job, but it's still a day job. And I'm at least going to be probably stable till at least February, if not longer. 
And um, so I don't really have to worry about my life stuff anymore. But still, these donations help keep the show going and hopefully eventually help keep the show growing and try to get that word spread out because I think this is their time. This is our time to take up space and to be confident and comfortable in taking up space as mixed race people, not being forced to choose if we don't want to be forced to choose. If we do want to choose, awesome. If you don't, awesome. You identify the way you identify. You do not have to apologize for it and you do not have to ask permission. So I'm saying all of this to say that the Patreon sponsorship is more than just keeping this show active. It is also hopefully going to have a fallout in terms of services that can be provided and community spaces that can be created for those of us who need those spaces. Um, If you don't want to or cannot commit to a monthly sponsorship, but you do want to contribute to the show, you can go to paypal.me slash militantlymixed and um, drop some coins in that tip jar there. Uh, Both ways go into the same main hustle media bank account. So all contributions go towards the show. Uh, Let's see what else I talked about. Geek Girl Con talked about Patreon. Oh, I got a postcard from a listener slash Patreon sponsor the other day. I did post it on Instagram and I was excited about it. And so shout out to Evelyn for sending me this postcard. It was while Evelyn was traveling for work. And I just want to say I fucking love getting mail. Like I forgot how awesome it is to get mail that isn't about a bill I got to pay or something that's past due. So, um, yes, if you, (laughs) I want more of these, these are awesome, especially since I have listeners from all over the world. I want to know where you're from. I want to know what mixed life is for you, where you're at. So if you would like to send a postcard into Militantly Mixed, our address is 11209 National Boulevard, Box 343, Los Angeles, California, 90064. I know I said that word, 11209. 11209. Uh, That is my postal box for the shows. And uh, so if you ever want to send anything in the mail that way, that that's what you that's where you can do it. It was really nice to get that that postcard in the mail. Um, I was really appreciative. So thank you to everyone for that. Let's see. I feel like there's something major I wanted to talk about. If it comes to me, I'll add. Oh, yes, I remember now. I am going to start incorporating more topical episodes into the show. People have been really responsive to the self-hate episode and to the mixedness episode. And I have been getting ideas from guests and or listeners who say, you know, have you covered this topic yet? So I am going to do some topical episodes. If you're following me on social media, on Instagram, you would have seen a audiogram I posted the other day about holiday traditions for mixed folks. And what I'm looking for here is folks to contribute either voicemails and or voice recording clips that you email to me, uh, messages that you send, whatever, about your holiday traditions. And if any of your traditions from one of your ethnic groups conflict with a tradition from another ethnic group. So what got me started on this rabbit hole was I was thinking about what if you were Caucasian, Dutch and black? And they have a Christmas tradition that involves a character called Black Pete, which for me as an outsider, as an American, I perceive that as a very racist character, but I'm not from that culture. So I, I don't know. I have seen Dutch people defend the hell out of this character. And I've seen Black Dutch people talk about the disenfranchisement and the pain that is caused by seeing it. So I was wondering, like, what if you are from these two groups? How do you deal with your holidays when you have stuff like that? 
And I was like, what el- what other kind of conflicts could we have within our holidays if we're from different racial groups, um, especially racial groups that have conflicts with each other? Some of those have to do with religion. Some of those have to do with actual ethnicities where the colonizer and the colonized oppressor and the oppressed, or just that like the timing doesn't work out because this is a major holiday from one country and this is a major holiday for another country and you got to pick. Uh, so I'm curious about how we maneuver holiday traditions as mixed race people. If you would like to share some of your mixed race uh, holiday traditions and how you maneuver, you can leave me a voicemail at 323-545-6001 and let me know your thoughts. You can also just do a voice recording on your phone and send it to the email account, Charmaine at militantlymixed.com or slide into my DMs on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Militantly Mixed and uh, and let me know how you're feeling. So I'm going to be putting together this episode. I'm hoping to have it for the last episode of November, but I don't know if it'll quite time out. If it doesn't time out right, then I'll, I'll put it as one of the episodes in December, even though I'm going to be on hiatus. So if you've been with me for a while, you're aware of this. If you're new, I got to a point back in August of this year where I was really starting to be really low and really drained. And that's because I wasn't processing all of the stories that I was receiving from people from all of the different shows that I do. And I wasn't kind of dealing with my own things. Also, I also had quite a bit of difficulty in my personal life happening at the time, particularly financially. And so I needed to take a break and I took a mental health hiatus in August. It felt so good to give myself that space and that break. I just put reruns up during during the month. What I ended up deciding was that I'm going to do three months on, one month off, from now until whenever something decides to change. And I'm really looking forward to taking a break in December. I'm pretty tired. I have overbooked my October. I thought November was going to calm down, but it hasn't really yet. And so I'm really looking forward to being able to take that break. So the goal is I will probably put mostly reruns up in December, but the first week of December is my birthday. So I'll probably have a birthday episode. Uh, If I don't get the holiday one done by end of November, that'll go up. And then I'll probably do reruns for the other two weeks in the in the month. But get those clips in. If you can try to get them in by the 20th of November, that would be great. If not, you know, maybe it'll be something that I extend over different times throughout the year. And the other topic that I wanted to cover, and this will probably be something that has a lot of extensions over the course of a year, is internalized anti-blackness. And the reason why is um, it prompted was from a conversation I had with Sarah Lotus. We didn't even get to that conversation during our episode, but it's something that we have been exchanging messages about. And it does have me ask some questions. I don't personally or have not realized any personal internalized anti-blackness for me, but I see it in a lot of my friends, both mixed and not mixed. And of course, you hear it, you see it on TV and media and things like that all the time. So it is something that I would like to talk about and I would like to share your perspectives on it. So same thing, send me a voicemail, send me an email, send me a DM, let me know what your thoughts and feelings or experiences are on this. This will be a multiple clip episode. So I won't just be interviewing one person about this topic. I will be taking clips and or interviewing people, multiple people, and they will end up being on an episode or maybe multiple episodes because I imagine this um, topic will have a lot of, of uh, I mean, it, it'll just be a lot. There'll be, there'll be a lot of people. Uh, what this talking about this topic, though, made me realize is I have some issues with whiteness, my own whiteness. 
I know that I make jokes about whiteness and things like that from time to time. I didn't realize I suffered as much shame about my whiteness as I do until I was cornered on TV about it. (laughs) I wasn't cornered in a bad way. I was just asked and it caught me off guard. And in being caught off guard, I answered the question in the most honest way I've ever answered it. Uh, And the question was, are you ashamed of being white? And I stuttered and I said, yes, I'm ashamed of my whiteness. And since that day, this was like three weeks ago now, I've been really dealing with what that means for me. Because technically, ethnically, I'm half white, but I have no access to those cultures, those white cultures that I'm from. I have limited access to the British culture, but I don't have access to the other side of the white in my family. And I don't um, exist in white spaces too often, except for in workspaces. So I have a lot to deal with, and I didn't realize I wasn't dealing with it. So that will probably be a topic coming down the pipe. Oh my gosh, this is already hitting 18 minutes. Okay, I got to move on, folks. But anyways, if you would like to talk about these topical issues, or if you have topical issues you would like us to cover, also send us a message. The links, the email address, the phone number, all of that is in the show notes. So if you haven't caught it already from me saying it a couple times, Check the show notes and uh, you will get that information. Okay, without further ado, I'm not even going to get into the explanation of, no, I have to, I have to tell you this. I have been wanting to do an episode like this for so long. Actually, since before I hit record on the very first episode, this was one of the topics I wanted to cover. This episode is on siblings, mixed race siblings that grew up the same and may or may not identify the same. This is another topic that is really personal to me, but it's something that I will never be able to resolve myself. I do have a full brother and I have two half siblings. The half siblings I do not know. I last time I saw them one was four, one was um a newborn. And uh, we don't have a relationship. It's it's more likely not going to be the case that we ever do. Uh, my full brother and I however, we are 5 years apart, but we grew up together primarily throughout most of our life. There was a chunk of a few years that we weren't living together, but we were still interacting and we didn't live far from each other. We just lived with separate, separate people. Um, and then we lived, I moved back in when I was an adult to, to try to connect again for a little while, um, before I went away to college and, and, um, and then wasn't home ever again. He does not like to talk about race. I talk about race a bunch because ever since I've been made aware of mixedness, it has been something that I've been actively dealing with and talking with people about pretty much my whole life. Uh, So it's a conversation that's really comfortable for me, but not comfortable for my brother. The last time we attempted to talk about this was, and I remember we were in the kitchen, it was 2001. And um, I tried to ask him about why he identifies the way he does, especially since we grew up in the same house and I identify the way I do. I am curious about what aspects of our lives growing up in the same household, in the same neighborhoods, how I ended up the way that I did and how he ended up the way he did. Um, we tried to talk about it. It was very uncomfortable for him. And it was pretty clear that was going to be the last conversation we probably ever had about race in any kind of real way. And, you know, 2019, it still hasn't happened. So I'll never fully understand why he identifies the way he does. He probably doesn't understand why I identify the way I do. And we're probably never going to figure that out. So I have this curiosity on a personal level, but I also have this curiosity in general. Um, not just with mixedness, but in terms of like, you know, what makes one sibling turn out to be a high powered attorney while the other one is possibly a criminal or why, you know, some siblings turn out where um, they're super close, but they're complete opposites and things like I, I'm curious about sibling dynamics in general. 
In mixedness, though, the identity is so specific to an individual that it is pretty amazing how different siblings identify differently. And I wanted to get into it. So a couple of weeks ago, I, I heard from Tiana, one of our guests today on social media, and she's also a Patreon sponsor, a recent Patreon sponsor. She got her shout out last week. She started talking to me about her own identity and then she brought up her sibling and through conversations about her sibling, we, I was like, oh, I would love to do a sibling episode. And she reached out to her sister and her sister was willing to participate. So we got together and the three of us talked about their dynamic as siblings, but also what their identities, you know, how have they shifted over the course of many years? And it was amazing to hear that even though they talk about race on a regular basis now, they were still learning things about each other in this episode. It was crazy. So I'm so grateful to uh, Tiana and Sam for sitting down and talking with me about this issue. But also, I'm really appreciative that in the moment as they were learning things about each other, that they were engaging on the ideas of, oh, I didn't realize that was a thing for you. What about blah, blah, blah. So it got to the point that they were asking each other questions, too. So amazing. So thank you to Tiana and Sam for sharing your sibling relationship with the show. And without further ado, please help me in welcoming Tiana and Sam to the Militantly Mixed family. Hey, have you heard about Sarah Lotus Garrett's Bloom Room programs? Our coaching programs are about leveling up mixed identity confidence, and they're for mixed adults and the parents of mixed children. There are still a few spots available in the pilot programs that begin on November 18th. If you're curious about these programs, you can visit our website at sarahlotus.com or you can check her out on Instagram at sarahlotusgarrett. So today I am joined for the first time. I've been trying to do this for almost the whole length of the show. I am joined by siblings, mixed siblings. This is going to be such an interesting addition to the militantly mixed family because y'all's experience is going to be slightly different, even though you're growing up in the same house. And I can't wait to hear about it. So my guests today are sisters, Tiana and Sam. Tiana and Sam, welcome to Militantly Mix. Why don't you introduce yourselves? Thank you. My name is Tiana. I am black and white. My white side consists of Irish, Italian, and French. And my mom is white and my dad is black. And I'm the older sibling. (laughs) Hello, I am Sam, the younger sibling here. Um, Our mom, as she explained, is uh, white containing Irish, French, and Italian, and uh, my dad's black. So what is the age separation between y'all? Eight years. Eight Eight years apart, okay. Yeah. And how close are you? Like, did you grow up together in the same house, or were you already kind of, did you have to spend time apart because you had different fathers? So I will break that part down, um, and then Sam, feel free um, to jump in. So... I, we have different fathers and Sam's father actually raised me since I was two. So my mom and my biological father split early on and, um, her and Sam's father, my, I I call him my dad because he raised me. That's the dad that I know, the father and Mm -hmm. dad that I know. Um, so my dad, he 
they had already been friends and had an existing relationship prior to me being around <laughs> before I was even born. Um, mm-hmm. So if it sounds like the story goes, it was just kind of a natural thing. They ended up hooking up or getting beginning a real relationship um, once my biological father and my mom split. And it's just really interesting because I was born first, eight years, and then Sam came later. And we grew up for a few years together in the same house. And Yeah, in the Bay until I was like five, right? I don't know. I know... We moved out of the Bay in 2000, and then um, we moved to a smaller city in California, a rural city. And from there, I lived there for one year. That was my freshman year of high school. And then I went back to the Bay to live with my grandma. So we did kind of grow up together as younger children. And then when I was in high school and as Sam continued growing up, we were kind of only children in a sense. I would come home on weekends and whatnot, Mm. but I was going to school in the Bay Area because the transition was just not, I didn't like the transition from going to the city to the small town for high school. And so I went back to the Bay. So it's kind of like I got to be an only child for a while. We had a few years together. She got to be an only child for a while. And then as adults, we actually came together and became roommates and really began to build our relationship then. Mm, That's my perspective. Sam, is that the same for you? Yes, exactly. All I was thinking when she was talking about it is that the fact that she you know, obviously she had the opportunity and she chose to leave. Uh, like she was saying the little town that we had moved to. Um, I feel like that just, uh, and since I had grown up in my teen years in this town without my older sister, like, you know, that had shaped a lot of who I became. Um, uh, as far as like, uh, how do you say like, the side that I chose, like race wise. <laughs> okay. And we're yeah. going to get into that. I'm, I'm interested to see how y'all identify. So um, I have a similar situation in that I'm five years older than my, well, he's my full biological brother, but I'm five years older. Um, so we actually maneuver like somewhat like step siblings in that respect, because I was so, I was so grown, even though I was only five. Mm-hmm by the time he came around. Um, and then we have half siblings that are about 12 and 15 and 16 years younger than us that I don't really know. Um, and, and so it's, I'm sure none of us identify the same, honestly, given what Instagram teaches me. I don't think any of us identify the same. Um, my husband also was raised by a man that is his dad, but not his father. And from the from basically four months on. And so we only as adults have had to figure out what it's like for him to have a father and a dad, uh, because the dad is the guy who took care of him his whole life. So I, I imagine you have a little bit of that, too. Do you have a Tiana, do you have a relationship with your biological father? I don't know. When I was younger, my mom actually um, she would she tried to have us continue a relationship and I would call him on his birthdays and. Um, I think, I don't know if she would call him on mine or maybe he called me here and there. I don't know. But at some point I just felt like I came to realize that I, like she was the one doing all the work to keep this relationship. I could care less because I, I had a dad in a sense. And 
he didn't seem to care either way. It seemed like he had his own family that he was building by that point. So it was pretty early on that it, I told her like, I'm just not even interested. So I don't know that guy, <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, your family isn't necessarily always your blood. Right. Uh, so, well, let me ask, are they this, <laughs> so stupid the way I'm about to ask this question. Are they the same kind of black? Are they black American? Are they Southern black? Are they black from another country? So Both your father? I, this is like one of the first times I'm really just jumping out there with this, but um, I didn't find out my dad was actually black until I was in high school. Up until that oh. point, um, I had been under the understanding that my biological dad or my biological father was this, um, was Guatemalan. Mm. But it didn't make sense to me because, I mean, I didn't know any better, but I never really understood it because people would always say that I look just like my dad's mom, which is Sam's grandma, you know? And because Uh, for a while she was even living with us. So they would be like, oh, you look just like your grandma, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but I'm not even the same thing as her and that's not even my grandma what do you mean and just hearing that for so long and then having seen pictures of the man who I was told was my biological father for so long it just kind of I I mean for a long time I thought I was Guatemalan and white if anything because I just didn't know Mm. much and then when my mom finally like and then at some point I guess um (laughs) it's actually really funny so like during my maybe first or second grade, something like that, which I feel like is common from the shows that I've heard of yours so far. Um, There were these two kids that came up to me at school and asked um, what I was. And I was just like, Mm -hmm. what? What do you mean? Like, I'm a second grader or whatever grade I was in. And then um, so they started laughing at me, but it's like that condescending laugh. And then they're like, no, what nationality are you? And I'm like, what's that? And then they laugh even harder. And I'm just like, am I supposed to know this big word, you know? So, um, so then I don't know when, but I just started telling people I was black and white because it made, it made it easier because that's what the man who was around was. And that's Mm -hmm. what people would see. And apparently that was what I, I came off as what my presentation, um, was Mm -hmm. to others. So, I just ran with that, even though my last name is this whole ass Guatemalan last name, which is just a thing in itself. Um, But then Mm. years later, when I was in high school, my mom ended up telling me on the way to school, by the way. So I start crying in the car because now, like, I'm already in high school. And this is when I was still in the small town. So I don't really like it. And now you're dropping this big ass bomb on me so it was just a whole emotional morning but I found out that I well I got confirmation that I actually was black and white at that point so but I have Mm. no idea um she knows who he is but she never kept in touch with him um yeah I don't know who he is I don't know anything about that so it's just really something that kind of played into my whole story also Mm. but yeah and Sam what is it like for you like did you know all all along that uh you and Tiana had different dads and did you understand that when you were little um I always knew yeah it's okay so (laughs) it's weird like how she talks about the um being like only children thing for Mm -hmm. me in that sense it was like legit like I felt like I was an only child since 
you know, she had the opportunity to um, go live somewhere else. And so I was just growing up, you know, with my parents and I was literally like just an only child. So I didn't really think about it much. Like I would tell people like, oh yeah, I have like, you know, my sister, but she doesn't live with us or anything. So it's like, I'm basically, you know, the only kid. (laughs) And, um, okay. Before we get too far, how do you both identify apart from what you, what you're mixed with? How do you individually identify? For a long time, I was that mixed girl who argued adamantly like, no, I'm not white. I'm not black. I'm mixed. And I I felt that way so strongly because I was so tight with my mom and I didn't want to feel like I was disrespecting her or disowning her in any way. But it was clear that people thought I was black. So and then I found out I was. So I had to I wanted to own that also. Um, But now as an adult, I I am a black woman. And if it's if someone asks, then I'll break it down for them. But otherwise, I identify as a black woman. And I feel like that's been the experience that I've had. I mean, because you're not going to walk around in a space where someone's going to say white girl or anything like that necessarily. Right. right. Exactly. If anything, people may think I'm um, some type of uh, Latinx. Man, folks end up being Latino, whether or not we have anything (laughs) close to it. Uh, what about you, Sam? Um, currently, uh, I identify as black. If someone asks, um, but you know, like obviously, if if they want a breakdown, I legitimately tell them I'm like I'm black first. My dad's black, and then I'm Italian. Oh, Irish, so you're French. hierarchical, like I am. So the- and you know what? I do that also. Now that you mention it, I'll say um, I'm white. My mom is Italian, French, or French, Italian, and Irish. Mm. Yeah, I always go Italian first. So for me, I'm, I always say I'm hierarchically mixed. I'm first black, then Japanese, then colonizer British. Um, the other white, I don't have a relationship with those people really. So I only know that they're German, Irish, Appalachian, inbred West Virginians. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know any of them. I've met my grandfather like five times in my life. And the last time I saw him, I was 12. So I have no connection to that part. So it's easier for me to say that I'm black, Japanese and Caucasian British. But my identifier is that like I'm a mixed black woman versus, you know, just mix in general or Japanese because I'm yellow presenting or whatever. Um, but you know, you've probably heard it on the show before. I make the joke that I'm Filipino on the West coast and Dominican Mm -hmm. on the East coast. So, (laughs) uh, because I'm like vaguely Asian looking. So like people are like, okay, you don't look Asian, Asian, but you kind of look Asian. So that means Filipino. Right. And that, that ends up being the thing that happens. Um, but y'all are both light skin, but not so light that people, read white off of you right so I have mixed experiences here okay um like I don't know I would love T's input if she has any in this general aspect because I don't know I feel like people do look at me and like you say T like if anything they'll go towards more of like the you know mixed Hispanic you know honestly that's what I usually get but I've gone across like to Middle Eastern. So that's why I'm like, I don't, I don't know, but it, all of those really like go back to white anyway. So that's why I'm like, I feel like people think that I look white more so. Mm. 
I also think your hair has played a role in it because for a long time, um, right. your hair was straight. So I think that also played a way in played a role in the way people would identify you because now since you've gone natural or since you're wearing your natural hair um girl your roots come out so it's hard but maybe you know that's just my eyes I don't know <laughs> yeah but yeah that just goes back to like the my background story of like how I used to identify that's why I say now like outright I identify black and then go into my other stuff so when you were in the the small rural town you did you identify as white publicly yes so regrettably now I could say <laughs> I it's a, it's a journey be, be kind to yourself I, I know it's a journey <laughs> exactly <laughs> but like like it didn't feel right then you know but I did whatever I I felt I needed to do because the kids are cruel <laughs> right you know? absolutely so Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I know the town that you're talking about. I used to actually live there as well. Um, and it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not easy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, like you go through it, right? You there's a period of time before you're aware that you are racially ambiguous or that you have a race. And then the day that that happens, your whole life has changed. Like from that point on, you have to constantly be deciding who am I? identifying as in this moment and you don't even know that that's going to be something that's going to happen to you like I, I I have described it and I discovered this accidentally while being a guest on somebody else's show they were asking me a question about identity um they were the first person to ask me do you identify differently than you used to and I was like fuck I think I did I think when I was a teenager because I grew up in a black space and um I identified as black mixed and now I identify as mixed black because I can't help that my presentation tells people who aren't black that I'm something else and only black people can tell. So now it's a little bit easier for me to understand that, yes, my presentation is going to read differently than my identification. And so it's my job to decide if I'm going to tell people how I identify and if it's their right or, you know, if they deserve to know or whatever the fuck, you know. Um, so like that space, I totally understand why if you don't code as black too strongly for young kids that you would have made that decision to, to, to identify that way because of just peace. It's a teenage time is already hard enough. You don't also have to be like, I'm black today. I'm white today or whatever. Um, when did you start to feel the shift? Was it part of your hair journey that got you there or was it just life in general? It was way before, um, I feel like it was still during high school. So, you know, obviously like the earlier years, freshman, sophomore for sure was when I was um, just trying to pass <laughs> like, you know, straight hair. <laughs> just, yeah. Oof. And um, but, but <laughs> the end is when I just like started to wake up and realize that those people weren't my friends. They weren't going to be there, you know? So um, right. later on in the, in the, in my school years, i that's when I just started to accept like who I was. And so my hair, mind you, like the transition is barely like natural. So that's why I'm saying it was way before my hair even was a factor. I I realized internally that I was just different. (laughs) And had you, have you left that town? 
Yes, I have. Not far, okay. but I'm, and even still when I was, um, like right next door, I was like, it was like a different place, different world, mm. you know. Did leaving that town help you publicly transition differently or identify differently or transition your identity? God damn, I could not get that. <laughs> uh, but did moving from that small town help you cha- transition into your different identity? Well, um, along with moving, I had moved in with T at that point. So oh, completely, okay. exactly. Like she, she was a huge aspect of um, like my transition, like internally and externally. So let's talk about what brought you all like from the point that you decide to move in together. How has your mixed race journey gone together and separately? Interesting. I wouldn't have had that question locked and loaded if I wasn't listening. So this, you know, that's why I say like it's conversational shit happens. I'm so excited. (laughs) Um. I think for me, there was something that happened when we were younger. Um, When I came back to visit my parents, when she was still living with our parents, and I noticed, I noticed the way she presented herself. Basically, I just felt like there was something that happened that made me think that, wow, if I had been around would this have happened? Like, would Mm. she feel this way? Would she identify this way so strongly? Because just to put it out there, our mom is white. Our dad isn't, he's black, but he has a lot of white friends. Like a lot of his closest friends are white. Okay. Um, And that's not to speak down on him or white people or anything like that. But, and then to be growing up in this small town and which is predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Um, you He's know, I feel like that's necessarily informing your blackness is what you're saying. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, and for me, having lived in the Bay area, um, which is a big mix for the most part. <laughs> yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like that was part of the reason it was so hard for me to move to this small town during that, during my high school years was because I was used to living in this space with so many Brown people, black, Brown, White Man, Asian. the first time you see white people when you haven't been around white people, it is <laughs> scary. It is so the, bizarre. It's so scary to be in a room full of white people <laughs> to me. It is. And like to experience that in high school for the first time, like I was not used to that. Um, but so going back and having the privilege of being growing up in this diverse space and then coming home at some point during my college. Was I in college or was I still in high school, Sam? Um, it was, I was in, yeah, I was in college. Been, cause I was cause, in school. Yeah, you guys were, yeah, you guys were in high school. So, um, so yeah, coming back and seeing that it just, it was the first time that I felt a sense of regret. Like, wow, I left my sister here to fend for herself because I didn't even know that I was going through that. Um, I guess. And then, right. so it kind of, and like by this time I had taken an AFAM course in college. And even then, like I wasn't fully invested, but I was trying to learn more. Um, but after graduating college and doing more self-teaching and learning more about the culture on my own, like I've always had my foot in the culture, but I feel like part of my experience having grown up in that brown space also, and then 
thinking I was one thing for so long or one mix for so long and then finding out I was another mix, which was what I was actually right. identifying as for for so long. Like it just kind of threw me all off, I guess. Um, but as I got older and I was teaching myself more about our history, Black history and African-American history, and I just really wanted to kind of share that with her without being dogmatic or pushing it on her because Mm -hmm. at the same time it's still her own journey to take as well but when we had the privilege to live together it was like a time for me to make up for not being there when she was younger and so I just that was kind of when we started talking about our experience also um as far as being mixed and presenting different and then we would even go places together and like I one time I heard a white woman make a comment. I was we were standing in a line in a store and I heard a and there was maybe a few people between us because I went back to grab something and so she was at the cashier already and then I heard the white a white woman make a comment um that just kind of like I don't know if she knew there was a black person behind her and in front of her. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. And then um there was another time we were in a store where it was like a ritzier area down in San Diego and we were looking around and I would, every time I took a step, like I could just feel the lady, one of the workers behind me to the point where one time I went to turn around to look at something kind of quickly and I almost stepped on her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was on me so tough. And I was just like, Sam, I'll be outside. Like I'm done with this place. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of sparked conversation too. So just living together by default, I feel like seeing each other's experience caused us to talk about it, which I feel like did kind of impact our experience further together. I hope that answered your question. (laughs) Yeah, good. Well, Sam, do you, how do you feel about that? Uh, Exactly. I honestly, it's funny because I, I forget (laughs) Um, just in my mindlessness, like incidents like that, you know, like the boutique that you're talking about in San Diego to like, but when you talk about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally remember that whole just ridiculous. Like, and I would see the woman like lurking around, like she's saying, it was just weird. But yeah, like vibe. But for me, it's something that it's not, it wasn't new for me. It was just the fact that she was so on me was new, but even that in itself wasn't new for me. Whereas Sam, I don't know if that's ever happened to you. No. Um, not, not to that extent. And you haven't noticed being followed around stores or, or being overly watched. And and that's what I mean. Not to that extent, like not being followed around and like, cause like, mm-hmm. like seeing that woman, it was bizarre. Like, <laughs> like you think that. So you saw it something. and were identifying that this was happening to your sister. Well, like you were able. Yes, exactly. I, I noticed okay. that there was a blonde white woman unnecessarily close to my sister frequently <laughs> inside of an empty store <laughs> it was so empty like it was like eight o'clock at night like pretty yeah, late we just, yeah. like we were just wandering yeah just kind of like strolling yeah. we decided to go in this boutique and I actually I turned around super quickly to look at this um I was gonna go back to this little coin purse that I was gonna I was thinking about buying after I walked away from it and then the fact that I 
damn near stepped on her and she's like, I'm not supporting this business. <laughs> right? How are you treating I me? Mean, it, it happens to me too. And uh, and it's just basically like, I know white people don't read me as black. So it's not the black thing. It's just the melanin thing, basically. Mm-hmm. And when it happens, you sit there and you wonder like, what are you championing in this moment? Like, what are you going to do if I'm actually the problem that you think I am? You know, what, what is right. Right. And why are you the chosen one to decide that I'm a danger and you need to take care of me? Um, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned on the show before, but I, it was an incident at the grocery store just across the street from my house where a white woman and I were in the same row and I was using those recyclable bags and I was putting my groceries into the bags versus having a cart. And then, you know, I unload my bag when I go to the thing and I rebag it up. Yeah, that's what we do. She was right? doing the exact same thing. But she took it upon herself to follow me around. And at one point she got too close to me and she says, are you stealing? And <sighs> I looked around and I looked at her and I saw that her bag was full too. And I said, are you stealing? And right? she like clutches her chest like, how dare you? You know, and, and I'm sitting here like, don't, who are you? Why do you think you can ask me these questions? And she mm-hmm. continued to be offended throughout the whole thing. And then she continues to follow me to the counter. And when the lady behind the counter goes, oh, hi, where I haven't seen you in a while. Where's your husband? Like, clearly I'm known here. And that's another stab in the, towards this white woman who decided she was going to be some kind of weird ass racial champion. Um, and you're just like, you just don't understand what it is. Like one, I don't understand what the fear is. And I, two, I don't understand yeah. what they're, what they're preserving or what they're saving by following us and deciding that we need to be watched. Um, especially if you got no skin in the store, like if this is not your store, why are you worried about it? You know, I've seen people still in, in stores before. And there's times when I'm just like, right. is this my place to care? <laughs> like, right. Is this right. my place to be invested? Um, this is not my you know, like if I'm not making any money out of it, do I need to care about this right now? Do I know like I don't have the context of what's happening for that person to make them do it? So best stay the fuck out of it. Um, but so as you've started to see stuff like that, um, Samantha, if you don't actually get this uh, experience as often or, or maybe it happens and you don't have an awareness of it for yourself, but you see it happening to your sister. How does that start to shift your view about how you identify and and how you think the world sees you? Ooh, interesting question. So yeah, I feel like, and Tiana knows me, you know, like, like T knows me. uh, So I don't know if me being oblivious to how others are perceiving me in public, you know, in that regard, like if they're watching me or something, um, because I don't care or because I'm just oblivious because like, I'm not used to it, accustomed mm-hmm. to something like that. Um, but as far as I think about it, like I just, you know, sometimes I'm just kind of brazen to you. Like I'll just, uh, <laughs> do whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm not like really expecting, or like if something does happen, like I'm like, okay, well I was kind of doing something wrong. So that's interesting. Yeah. So So that's why I'm like, I'm not looking for anyone to be looking at me because I I could be doing something. Um, It's so funny because like for me, I feel like I'm always being thought of as criminal in some way because I grew up in the hood. And even though I'm not in the hood right now, 
I have a hood mentality. So right. I assume mm-hmm. I'm being watched all the time. I assume I'm going to be picked up or harassed by the cops. Like I have this, this is so inbred in me. And like my husband, who is also mixed, but he didn't grow up mixed. He grew up around his white family. He's um he's Middle Eastern and, and white. And uh, I asked him the other day, I'm like, how often are you aware of taking your hands out of your pockets when you're in a store? And he was like, why would I be worried about taking my hands out of my pockets in the store? And I'm like, that's how I know that you're white. Like, you know, like it took me this long because when I look at my husband, I don't see a white person. But when he doesn't react to things the way that I react sometimes, I'm like, oh, you are white. And I didn't realize I ended up with a white guy, you know, like (laughs) because there's these moments where I just realized, like, I am always making sure that my hands aren't in my pockets in a store. Or if I do put my hands in my pockets in the store, I try to make sure that it's quick. And then my hands are open afterwards so that people know I wasn't doing anything. And this is just hood training. This is just like me growing up and having people follow me around since I was little. Um, It's weird. I I think that's so interesting because lately I've become so aware. Well, maybe over the past year or two, every time I'm in a store and I put my hands in my pocket, I become so aware of it. But instead of immediately taking them out of my pocket out like I used to. I'll leave them there because why do I feel the need to make these other f- people right. feel comfortable or or to make it look like I'm okay because my hands aren't in my pocket? Yeah. You know what I mean? But before it was just like, oh, let me just take my hands out. But now it's just like I actively keep them in and it makes me uncomfortable. But it's that whole thing of being uncomfortable to get to the other side. Right. So the fact that it's yeah, so I like that you bring that up that. because like um, how you told me about when people look at you and like, um, or like staring or something and you catch them and like how mm. uh, your general reaction, like, or personally, even me is like to like look away, you know, to like not be awkward, but like how you started looking at them. Cause it's like, why are you looking at me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, I tried not to, necessarily be in a, in a confrontation. No, of course way, not. But, but like, just to be like, why are you looking at me? Like I can look at you, mm-hmm. you know, like this is right. a public space. If they're going to go so far as to make you uncomfortable, then we should make them uncomfortable too. It's like when a man tells you while you're walking down the street to smile. Why do I have to smile for you? You know, like, why do I have to make your life better? You smile. Maybe that'll make your day better. Um, I feel that it depends on the situation in which I become more confrontational with others. You know, if someone asks me, what am I? I think about where I'm at in in the moment. Like, Mm -hmm. is this a person? Is this an education moment? And do I want to take on that free labor? Or do I want to... um, or do I want to be dismissive or whatever? And now I've gotten to the point where I make them jump through hoops when they ask what I what or what I am or they say that stupid, you know, you're so exotic, you can bullshit. Then um, then I start to kick it back to them. I was like, oh, well, I'm from Long Beach or I'm from California or whatever. Or if they ask your nationality and I say American and they're like, yeah, no, but what's your nationality? It's like, well, the nation that I was born in is the United States of America. That makes me American. And then it's like, okay, I just taught you what question you're asking is the wrong question. You know, you know, so I'll go through the hoops with people if I feel like I want to be caustically educational. Like I want them to be so uncomfortable while they're learning that they have to fucking deal with it, you know, when they walk away from me versus like every now and then you can tell it's like a semi woke white woman who like really does think she's an ally, but she doesn't realize she's doing something racist. And you're like, yeah, I get you lady. Like, I understand you're trying, but like in this moment you need to learn you're still racist, you know, 
that kind of stuff happens still too. And in those cases, I might be a little bit nicer about it. And I'll be like, well, actually, Mm -hmm. you know, I need you to understand that you don't have the right to this information. So it's not really very nice of you to ask us because you instantly other us when you do that, you know, things like that. I might be a little nicer about it. Uh, But yeah, there's times like the pocket thing. I can't break that programming yet. Like even at 40, I can't break that programming, but the confrontational thing on the street about what are you, I can. And that took years. It took many, many years to get to that point. Mm-hmm. So what have y'all, are you, are you still living together or are you? We just recently, um, yeah, like just a few days. months ago, but actually oh. before we go on, <laughs> can I go back to something really quick? Yes. Yeah. Um, Sam, I want to ask you, the fact that Ooh. half the time <laughs> or not sorry half I got excited time. this is simply I'm so excited okay go 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 but how, <laughs> I heard that Sam <laughs> how you mentioned um that sometimes you are doing dirt so you're not expecting or really looking to be watched right. do you think part of that comes from the way you presented yourself when you were younger and where mm. you were growing up the fact that maybe you know, because it I don't know how known you were around wherever you were going, but maybe you felt more comfortable, like you could get away more things when you were growing up and the way you presented. So maybe it's carried on, even though now you present differently, you still have those old habits. Mm. Militantly Mix will now be hosted by. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, I don't think it's... Um, I think it's just the fact that, like, you already know, I I feel like I, I just do this stuff. <laughs> like, I had a perfect explanation <laughs> while you were talking, and it totally left me, of course. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, I don't think it has to do with uh, the past and how I used to identify or anything. I think okay. it has to do with, okay, this is what I was going to say. I think it has to do with me kind of, like, not accepting, but just trying to use my, like, you know, almost passing as, like, a mm. cover. Ah, <laughs> like, uh, undercover. <laughs> so, like, I just present myself, like, I'm confident, you know, like, ain't nobody need to look at me, so I'm just right. doing what you're doing. That's, that's how I... Just put on your, I want to speak to your manager. Exactly, and, uh, right? Going. <laughs> that's interesting. interesting. I'm, I'm sitting on that one for a second. <laughs> That's interesting. So, um, Tiana, have you ever had passing moments, like white passing moments specifically? Um, not that I can. Ooh, I don't know. I feel like it's like back to mom. I feel like not personally, but yeah. Exactly. That's what that was making me think of. Like, I feel like when you look at me, you see brown. So it's it's some kind of, you know, I'm not white, but I I recently have been investigating the fact that when I was younger, when certain situations would happen, like there was this one incident that happened at my school where the librarian actually like slapped my hand or something. And I told my mom, Mm -hmm. exactly. So I told my mom that day and she went to the school the next day and they must have been like, I just got the feeling that, whoa, they weren't expecting this. (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't necessarily know what it was. So then I, I just always, well, when something happens, call mom, you know, like that's what we do as kids. We right. call mom. But then as I got older, I realized, oh, that's my white card. 
And then there were certain situations where it's just like, let me call my mom because I know I can make this worse, but she could potentially make this better or at least a little easier. I don't know. And it's, it's just really weird because it's something that I didn't really, I didn't always recognize in the moment. There's a few incidents where I did know it in the moment and I knowingly played that card. But for Mm. a long time, I didn't know that that was the card that I had to play. It was never mm. that I was passing. It was that I was using my mom to get me out of whatever, to, to get me, to, to help sure. me, pass, I guess. Right. And that's a totally different thing. And I don't think that that actually specifically has come up on this show yet. I mean, we've talked about how white mothers of brown babies tend to be revered as these like benevolent adopters that are just like, oh, it's so nice and kind mm. that you have adopted these brown children. And then those white mothers are like, no, these these brown children came out of me. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> um, and then the flip side of that is that brown mothers end up being the nannies or mm-hmm. the, you know, the servants to these uh, partially mixed white children and stuff. And it's, it's, um, I never really thought about being able to utilize your mother's privilege mm-hmm. or your white parents' privilege in, in situations like my mother is half Japanese and half white. My father's half black and half white. My father presented black my mother presented depending on what hair color she was either white or latin um and uh she she would hate if you thought she was white though she'd get so bent out of shape she'd get so mad and be like well you dyed your hair blonde and you're wearing green contacts what are you gonna do <laughs> um, and she was a paler of all of us too but she was so all right i'm just saying my mom was such a wannabe black woman that she, but not specifically a wannabe black woman, specifically a wannabe hood black woman. Uh, she would she would present really ignorantly and and act a fool and things like that to the degree that even like as her mixed black child, I'm just like, don't do that. Like, don't mm-hmm. be like that out in public, you know, because it's not your culture one, and um, it's not all of black culture too. You know, it's a different, very specific kind of black culture. And, and so I never got to utilize my mother that way. My mother would basically put all her cards up out on the table the second you saw her. Mm-hmm. She was just like, I got mixed black kids and I'm ignorant. You know, like that's kind of what she would do. Um, so I, I don't have that experience. That's really interesting. And I never thought about that, that you could possibly do that. Like, I remember the shock of growing up in the hood and hanging out with my friends in the park, being picked up by the cops for loitering. Mm-hmm. And they would drop my black presenting friends off in Mexican neighborhoods to get their, you know, get them beat up on their way home. Yeah, I heard and, you. Um, this was crazy. Yeah, this would, this would happen. And, and I think it's something that probably still happens, but it was definitely a, very much a part of the time that right, I was growing right. up. Um, but then when I go, sh- when I get dropped off because I'm so pale, I get dropped off and my black dad opens the door and all of a sudden the cops are just like, wait, what's happening? You know, that's your child? You know, if they see my stepmom who was Mexican-Italian, they might think, okay, maybe she belongs to them. But yeah. but if my black dad opened the door, that's a whole different thing. All of a sudden, now I am a brown child and I should have been dropped off with the Mexican kids, you know, Girl, to get beat up and stuff. The first time I heard you say that on one of your episodes, my heart sank. Like, I just, I know that that stuff used to happen, but to have experienced it from that perspective, I can't even imagine I wonder, too, how, like, my black 
presenting like my monoracial black friends felt knowing Mm -hmm. that they were getting dropped off for this terrible thing and I was getting dropped off at home like I would I would still get my ass beat but instead it was my dad beat my ass not my you know not these strangers or whatever and not because cops were trying to get other brown people to harm other brown people you know and I didn't have the language back then to ask those questions of those friends what was that like for for y'all you know was that did it cause resentment because I could not pass so much as not be black to non-black people. Right. You know, so I, I don't know. And I, I honestly wish that I could get in touch with some of those people again, if I could figure out who they, you know, like as years and years ago, I knew people's first names, not last names. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know who these people are anymore. And uh, it's a, it's a weird thing, but it's also very much a a screenshot of what early nineties, late eighties, LA and long beach was like, you know, um, the NWA mm-hmm. is is the soundtrack of what my childhood was like. Like when that came up, that was telling the story of where my of my neighborhood and what things were like for me. Um, even though I was this ambiguously Latin Asian presenting black girl who was black as fuck, like <laughs> I was always black as fuck. But I looked the way that I look, and um, and so I don't know what passing experiences I may have. Um, and like, like I look at pictures of, of you two and I see, I see a light skin, I see light skin black girls, but because I'm mixed, I'm going, are they light skin black girls or are they mixed black? Like, are they mm-hmm. currently mixed because their parents are different races or is this a throwback gene from somewhere else, mm-hmm. you know, in time? Um, and that is something that I can't help. I can't turn that off as a mixed person. Every time I see a light skin black person is the first thing I think of is I wonder if they're mixed or if they're like throwback mixed and then what does that mean because mm-hmm. if they're throwback mix it's you know it could be slavery yeah, it's or it could be other maybe. things you yeah know? so um but the fact that they're light skin does mean they're mixed they're just not identifying that way whereas like the three of us can't avoid identifying this way you know um we can choose to identify in comfort in a safe space type of thing like i'm going to be black here or I'm going to be white here, but that's on us to, to be able to do is not really, um, but we have that option if we, if we need it for safety, which is why I say be forgiving of yourself as a child, because fuck, you were in a place where like, yeah, be white, get through, <laughs> like get through during that time. Because I know that space that you're talking about. And if you had it to pass and it got you through, yeah don't feel bad about what that how that helped you because you don't know what it would have done not to Mm -hmm. identify you know what I'm saying like being forgiving of yourself for that I think is really important because also you're a kid and this thing is such a journey I mean I'm still talking to people through this show I'm talking to people 10 20 years older than me and they still are doing it too they're just like I don't know I look this way, but I feel this way. And, you know, my family makes fun of me if I go here. And I think, I, you know, like, especially, especially like the, the white presenting Latina folks, man, they are too white looking to be Latin and too Latin to be white. So they could be 50, 60, 70 years old and not have a space. It's just, it's just the way that life is for us, I think. Um, okay. So we're getting a little bit close to the end and I cannot Fucking wait to ask this question about both of you since I got two of you on the phone, um, on the thing with me. Um, I like to, because we do talk about, you know, stressful things or painful things sometimes within our, our past. Um, I do like to end the show talking about what we love about being mixed. 
And I think it varies from person to person and maybe varies from time to time. But I'm really curious about asking the question in individually, what do you like most about being mixed, but also as sisters together, what do you like about being mixed siblings? Hmm. Um, do you want to go first, Sam? I was just going to say, as an individual, I just love bad or good, the experiences it's brought. Because, I mean, it's like you say, it's been wild. <laughs> like, like just stuff that you wouldn't expect, you know? Um, mm. And having these parents that look these certain ways but act different <laughs> from the way they look is amazing too and I know that's you know influenced me and then I don't know just looking ambiguous has been interesting <laughs> sometimes it's really fun like like don't think I won't take some free lumpia if a Philippine <laughs> right you know? like oh, when people I just ask you like this cat when I go to the mechanic <laughs> yes I will do it exactly that's the thing like people look at you and they just want to believe that you're something so they you know and I'm just like okay like right on <laughs> especially because we've spent so much time not belonging that when someone does want to own us you're just like yeah sure I'm Dominican today why not you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> what about you Tiana I think um kind of touching on what you said because I never really felt like I had a home but I was also I grew up in a space that was pretty diverse for the most part so I kind of always did feel like I had some sense of belonging at the same time. It just, it really helped me be able to understand people. And I feel like it's helped me be more compassionate maybe than I would be otherwise if I only had one experience versus both worlds. Um, yeah. That's an interesting concept. I, I didn't think about it like that, like for me, for other people about like how I'm empathetic and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I can kind of understand a little more where certain people are coming yeah, from. Yeah, different levels. Exactly. exactly. Mm -hmm. cool. And then having, having grown up more with the white family, like I, I can kind of understand a little more where certain comments come from on the white side, but then having learned more about, my blackness on my own later, like kind of understand a little more, just a little more understanding on both sides. So it helps me kind of relate to other people a little more compassionately and not take things as personally as I maybe would. Okay. And then as siblings, what is, what's having a mixed race teammate in your corner feel like <laughs> I'm just grateful because over the years having been able to actually have these conversations not only just period to have this conversation with someone with another woman um, but with someone who actually has the same parents as I do so can relate even further because like she was saying our parents basically to kind of elaborate our dad is a little more white than our mom even though he's black and our mom is a little more black than our dad oh, like, my God, my parents are the same oh, <laughs> so, like you would still be mixed with what you're mixed with if they got to be what they wanted to be so like even though I could call my mom to get me out of trouble because she knew how to put on that professional voice and whatnot like 
<laughs> Don't get it twisted. She will still come at you with the ignorance, and it was not appreciated. But <laughs> you know, so it's just been really interesting, and I'm really grateful to be able to have someone who I can share that experience with. And then also having such an age difference, like they were essentially different people when they were raising us. So it's also the same parents, sure. different parents too. So, and then growing up in different cities, put them in different spaces when they were raising us. Mm-hmm. So I'm just super grateful. Like now that we're older, we can come together and have these conversations and kind of learn more about our family and ourselves through each other and our right. experience. Yeah, precisely. That's all I was thinking is like, it's so, it was so cool to, you know, when we moved together and we realized that we have this other person that's so similar, but different with all these different experiences, it was just enlightening. <laughs> and do you feel like it's, it's the way you identify, are you more comfortable, I guess, in your identification now that you've had that time together um, to grow in your mixedness as siblings, as adult siblings? Yeah, just being able to have the discussions definitely help growth and comfortability levels immensely. And I feel like it also gives me the confidence because I'm still trying to find my voice and challenging those uncomfortable yeah. moments. And um, I know the fact that I am able to soundboard off someone else and have these conversations with someone else. I feel like it does kind of help me get that practice and build the confidence to have those conversations in the real world, too. So. Mm. definitely helps me grow further on my journey. That's awesome. And I'm so grateful. I cannot tell you how excited I am that we get to share this version of mixedness on the show. I have wanted to talk to family members before, and this is great. Like when Tiana, when you and I first started talking, you know, we were kind of engaging back and forth. And then when you mentioned your sister as an, as an option to come on the show, I was really excited. And to see that you've your lives have run parallel and perpendicular for a period of time. It's interesting how you are within your identities. I'm so grateful that y'all shared it and and knowing that there's probably uncomfortable aspects of your family that, you know, not sure which one was going to share what thing and stuff like that. So the fact that you've done this, I'm so appreciative. I just really want to thank you again for this space, Charmaine. Um, thank you for this opportunity to come on your show and share our story and, and investigate it a little more with our, with each other and with you and for the episodes that I've heard already. I still haven't listened to the whole thing, but man, like I just can't wait to really keep digging in. The reason I haven't listened is because I won't, I'm not able to really give it the time that I know it deserves right now, but I'm just so grateful that these conversations are being had and like the whole mixed show and that is being brought more to the forefront because there's so many of us out there for us to feel so alone. It's such a ridiculous thing. So thank you so much yeah. from the bottom of my heart. Like, thank you. Thank you for finding me and listening. I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much, Charmaine. This has been amazing. I'm I like, I can't tell you, I feel kind of like goofy smiley right now because I'm just like, I, who you know you never know when you're about to talk to someone new what's going to happen and it's just like like Tiana when you asked your sister a question I was just like yes answer the question <laughs> like all of a sudden I had my like evil little fingers going at each other like oh I wasn't expecting that it was it's so fun it's like such a good it's such a good experience so I'm uh, I'm so appreciative. 
Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantlymixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.